Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to Channel 127. Thank you to the excellent crew at Dino Badala for being such a wonderful live lead-in for us five nights a week. Thanks to all the great shows on SiriusXM for keeping me inspired. And let me just say, hello to everyone listening live. Our Evil Army of the Night is invited to call in and be part of the show. Hi to everyone listening on demand or on the John Fuglesang podcast. Everyone who is listening to uh, SiriusXM's app, our daywalkers, you guys can always write. We'd love to hear from you guys, too. Our executive producer, is Chris Hauselt in the great state of South Carolina. Producer Thea Harper is running this thing out of Brooklyn, and I come to you from the Isle of Manhattan. We've had a crazy week, a lot of great guests, a lot of great shows, a lot of great right-wing unhinged callers. Gentlemen, can I just say to the fascists, to the racists, to the homophobes, to the, to the corrosively selfish child men, thank you. Well played. Well done. It's one thing for me to come and say, hey, ask ask the right wing asshole in your office this question. But when y'all call, I, I get to do it and demonstrate these things can happen. And my apologies again to, to John from Brooklyn who called last night. He was beautiful. He was just I mean, he this guy was like Bill O'Reilly's wet dream. And then my equipment died during the call. Again, I'm going to just lament that because. Oh, thank you, right-wing guys. You've done your part. You've made our show more entertaining. You're proof that God loves us and wants us to laugh. Okay, uh, tonight's going to be a terrific one. We have some really smart guests tonight. It's going to be, um, well, uh, we're going to be talking with Angelo Carson, the Mac behind Media Matters. Angelo's always great to have because they are trained to watch the news, especially Fox News, all day long and report us the truth. And let me tell you what Media Matters just did. They put out a new piece all about 50-plus lies and conspiracy theories Fox News has spread about elections and January 6th in 2023. It's not a list of everything they've done since. This is just what they've done in the last 60 days of this very young year. So we're going to talk about all the lies, malfeasance, and otherwise rank fuckery of Fox News with Angelo. Dr. Pedram Navab will be joining us to talk about his new book, Sleep Reimagined, The Fast Track 
to a revitalized life. Now, I'm very excited to have Dr. Nababa on the show because I'm very into the subject, partially because they make us work here at What the Fuck O'Clock. And, and so sleep is something that sleep is something from the before times. I think that's that's what that word means to me. But we were talking earlier today because I'm fascinated with the history of sleep, which hear me out on this. This is actually right now Sleep Awareness Month. Did you know that? Did you know it was Sleep Awareness Month? Maybe you should get woke about sleep. Well, his book, Sleep Reimagined, The Fast Track to a Revitalized Life, goes deep into different ways we keep ourselves from achieving full performance uh, because we don't get a proper sleep. It talks about all the myths like you can make up for lost sleep on the weekends. No, you can't. As long as you get sleep enough hours, it doesn't matter when you sleep. No, you need proper circadian timing. It's getting more sleep is good. No, it's not. Even if you get too much, it can be detrimental. There's so much to talk about. And he began a cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So I'm excited to have him, but also because uh, we were talking earlier about the historical phenomena of biphasic sleep, B-I-P-H-A, two phases, biphasic sleep, which was the predominant way humans slept all throughout the Western world until the middle of the 1800s, which meant we would go to sleep about two hours after sunset, right? About two hours after dusk, because again, there's no electric light. You're, you're going to bed. It's dark. So we'd go to sleep, you know, by 8 p.m. And then people would sleep four to six hours right? Midnight, one, two, and then everybody would wake up and people would get up and they would clean. They would work. They would pray. They would fool around, whatever it is people do when they wake up. And then you would have your second sleep and people would go back and crash until dawn. This idea of two sleep sessions was the predominant way people in the Western world lived. You you hear it in the poems and songs that, that refer to in the second sleep. This was very common until the Industrial Revolution. And suddenly we're working all the time. And that, coupled with electric light, meant, no, you were just going to get one piece of sleep. So I'm really fascinated by it because they say that it's because we were hardwired for so many generations with this biphasic sleep that for many of us, if you wake up in the middle of the night and have some kind of insomnia where you fall asleep, then you wake up and you need to go do stuff, that actually is a long dominant pattern in our species. And it's only changed in the past 150 to 200 years. So we're a lot to unpack in terms of the science. I get off on this big time. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, Chris, this has been a good week. Thank you for everything. Thanks for all the great guests. Thanks for hiring Thea, who had her third oh, year anniversary I, yesterday. That, that, thank you for all of Thea's work. I'm just gonna, as a white man, I feel like I should give you credit for all she does, Chris. I did not hire Thea. Thea appeared to us <laughs> like yeah. a lady in the lake, like a vision. I know. I was just saying that was that was that interview with Thea. That was, I think, the only time I used the 35th floor at the Howard Stern Tower. But that's a whole she, other story. She um, led us out of the wilderness. She really like did. They, they 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 told me and Chris, they said, you two have to work together. And then Chris started crying, which was embarrassing because I was in the room for the meeting. They said, you two have to work together and uh, it's going to be at what the hell o'clock. And then they handed us a pair of clown shoes. We each got our own pair of clown shoes, and they said, go, run. And and then Thea showed up and really classed up this entire yard sale of a radio show we were trying to do. So we are very, very grateful to her. Um, and in the meantime, uh, thanks to all of our great guests all week, and thanks to all of our great callers. Let's do a show. 
this this is a little bit I want to call the week that because this is the week after Republicans introduced a bill that would allow women to be executed if they need to get an abortion in the state of South Carolina. Yes, we're so pro-life, we will fucking kill you. Well, the week after that came this week. This was a very interesting week for our Republican brothers and sisters. This was the week that the Southern Baptist Church expelled six churches, uh, one for abuse, the other five for the crime of ordaining women including Saddleback Church by Pastor Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life. They expelled six churches, five of them for the crime of ordaining women. This was the week that the Tennessee House of Representatives passed a bill that allows clerks to have the power to deny marriage licenses to same-sex couples, interfaith couples, or interracial couples. This was the week of Tucker Carlson's reimagining of the January 6th Capitol riot, where he aired a few dozen minutes out of 40,000 hours of January 6th footage to distract slobbering right-wing goober simple folk from the release of his very embarrassing anti-Trump text. This was the week that we got new anti-Trump texts and saw that Tucker hates Trump passionately. Those being his exact words. The week that Tennessee's insanely anti-LGBT lieutenant governor admitted to regularly commenting on nearly naked social media photos of a super twink gay Instagram model. I'm not going to call him a rent boy. But the lieutenant governor commented on his nearly naked pics with heart and flame emojis, homophobe that he is, the week that Tennessee became the first U.S. state to ban drag performances. The week... That it was revealed the governor of Tennessee, who also signed anti-trans laws banning gender-affirming care, was photographed in his high school yearbook wearing pearls, a wig, and a female cheerleader's uniform. The guy who banned drag. This was the week that Republicans held these sham hearings about Twitter that descended into chaos. The week that Florida's Republican-dominated legislature is now moving toward passage of a new ban on all abortions at six weeks. The week that a whopping 61% of Florida Republicans say they oppose the six-week abortion ban. That's higher than DeSantis' own poll numbers. The week that Jenna Ellis, the Colorado lawyer who helped Daddy Trump try to throw out the 2020 presidential election, the will of the American people, who lied for him continuously, was publicly censured by the bar for misconduct after admitting to making a series of misrepresentations about the election being stolen. Bill Clinton was disbarred by the state of Arkansas. Jenna Ellis tried to throw out democracy, and she just got a censure. The week that the House voted to overturn the Biden administration's protections for thousands of small streams, wetlands, and other waterways, advancing Republican arguments that regulations are environmental overreach and it's hard on business and costs us jobs. This is the week that our country moved closer than ever to indicting a former U.S. president. This was the week that Donald Trump, who openly and demonstrably lied that he never paid Stormy Daniels $127,000 to say they never had sex, and was later revealed to have reimbursed his lawyer, Michael Cohen, a signed check in his own hand for exactly $127,000 to pay Stormy Daniels to say they never had sex, came out and said he never had an affair with Stormy Daniels. No one ever claimed that. It was about 35 seconds of agony from what we've read. But essentially, Donald Trump staked the position that he pays women 
he never had sex with to say he never had sex with him. That's his story. The week that Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed a law rolling back major parts of that state's child labor protections and eliminated requirements for the state to have to verify the age of children younger than 16 before they can take a job. If you are a poor family and your child is 12 and tall enough, send him to the mine. This is the week that Republicans in the Ohio Senate passed a bill weakening child labor protections. It's going to make it out of the House. It's going to probably be signed by Republican Governor DeWine. This was the week that a CPAC speaker called for the eradication of transgenderism and then tried to say that doesn't mean eradicating transgender people. And in that week, Democrats did shit. 311,000 new jobs, another really strong jobs report. Here's a clip today of President Biden spreading the good news about the February job numbers. I'm happy to report that our economy has created over 300,000 new jobs last month. And that's on top of a half a million jobs we added the month before. All told, we've created more than 12,000, 12,000 jobs since they took office. Nearly 8,000 of the manufacturing jobs. That means overall, we've created more jobs in two years than any administration has created in the first four years. And uh, I think all this matters. It's no accident. It means our, our economic plan is working. And uh, when I took office, the recovery and the economy was, there was no recovery and the economy was reeling. And the 18 million people were unemployed on unemployment insurance compared to less than 2 million a day. Unemployment was 6.3% and nonpartisan congressional budget office predicted it wouldn't get below 4% until 2026. Because of our economic plan, unemployment has been below 4% for 14 straight months since January 2022. Last month, the unemployment rate remained near the lowest level in 50 years, 50 years. And that's really good news. People who are staying out of the job market, this is particularly good news, are now getting back into the job market. They're coming off the sidelines. They're getting back into the job market. The share of working age folks who are in the labor force is higher than it's been any time since 2008. That was one of the big predictors everybody was looking at. Yeah. Oh, he's so old. Oh, Biden's so old. Yeah. Okay. As I've said, let's put a hundred year old guy in there and see how much shit that president gets done. I mean, wow, he's old. I got it. But you know what I've learned here? A president can get a lot done when he's not thinking about his next job or his mistress. This was the week that Joe Biden unveiled a new six point eight trillion dollar budget proposal chock full of middle class wishes, progressive hopes and defense spending wish lists. It's a budget geared towards shaving three trillion off the deficit. And how would it shrink the deficit? By taxing the rich, a fiscally responsible budget outline that would slow the growth of national debt by raising taxes on the wealthiest. Because remember, the people who can afford to pay a lot more in taxes can also afford to pay a little more in taxes. It's crazy how that works. It'll never happen, but it's going to get a counterproposal from the Republicans, and that's all the negotiation. It's so Joe Biden can run on a budget that's really a campaign document about what he wants to do. Folks, if only he'll let me finish the job. Here's uh, Joe Biden revealing the biggest threat to America's economic recovery, the MAGA GOP. The biggest threat to our recovery is the reckless talk, the reckless talk my MAGA friends 
This is not your exact, you heard me say, it's not your father's Republican Party, but the Republicans in the United States Congress. They, uh, they, they, well, what they want to do with regard to the debt limit. You know, they're threatening to fall on our national debt. In fact, planning to fall, as some Republicans seem to be doing, puts us very much at risk. I believe we should be building on our progress, not go backwards. So I urge our extreme MAGA Republican friends in the Congress to put their threats aside, join me in continuing the progress we built. We got a lot more to do, so let's finish the job. And by the way, you know, we talk about what's what there's. I, I just saw my staff hand as I was coming in. The House Freedom Caucus. The members of the House Caucus will consider voting to raise the debt ceiling contingent upon the enactment of legislation. You know what the essence of the enactment legislation is? Cut all spending other than defense by 25 percent. 25 percent across the board. And that means cops, firefighters. It means health care. It means that's just what they call discretionary spending, as you all know. Let him debate Trump. It's fine. This was the week that Minnesota Governor Tim Walz signed an order protecting rights to gender-affirming health care. He said, we want every Minnesotan to grow up feeling safe, valued, protected, celebrated, and free to exist as their authentic versions of themselves. Democratic governors believe in liberty. This was the week we learned about the DOJ investigation into the Louisville, Kentucky Police Department in the wake of Breonna Taylor's murder and announced they found the department oozing with discrimination, excessive warrants, racial slurs, and violence. Try to imagine a report like that against a racist police officer while there's a Republican president in office. This is the damn week Joe Biden made insulin affordable. Look, in 16 years under Clinton and Obama, 33.8 million jobs. In 16 years of Bush, Bush and Trump, 1.9 million jobs in 25 months of Joe Biden, 12.4 million jobs created. I know the president doesn't really create the jobs, but it also is all comes down to what happens on their watch. And under Joe Biden's watch, America has created six times as many jobs as the last three Republican presidents combined. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress after dark. So, you know, I, I, this happens sometimes. I need someone smarter and, and more informed and more moral than me. And that's, that's not hard to find. Uh, that's, that's, you know, 
go to the bus stop. You'll find that. But uh, I also need someone who watches a lot more right wing media than me. And that is why I'm so thrilled our next guest has been tricked into coming back on the program. Angelo Carasone is president and CEO of Media Matters, the nonprofit organization and America's premier media watchdog. They watch Fox News so you'll know what your racist uncle and dead inside aunt are watching on Fox News. Angelo's a recognized authority on right wing extremism and provides expert opinion about extremism, online toxicity, and the dead inside women who love them. Angelo Carasone, welcome back to Sirius XM. We need media matters me. more than ever right now. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean it's it's the all this Fox Dominion stuff is kind of illustrating that for sure. It's great. Every night this week, I've gotten callers who have called to gloat because Tucker Carlson has proven uh, once and for all that January 6th was just people who really respect the law. And those dozens and dozens and dozens of guilty pleas never happened. And those cops were never beaten. Uh, feces never smeared on any walls. Nothing vandalized. These guys really believe it. Did you get to hear our last caller, Angela, while you were in the I did. room? I yeah. did. I heard. I heard. Yeah, they yeah. really believe it. I mean, the part that I find, and I don't remember if you had asked him if or if he said it, um, but the thing that I, I think is the case is I my my hunch on this is that actually a lot of the people that are pushing this idea that Tucker Carlson had some big scoop this week didn't even watch. Yeah. Um, because the ones that did watch that are were actually like pro-insurrection that were involved in it were really mad at Tucker Carlson. Um, and yeah. that's the part that that when I hear somebody who really is like the insurrection was awesome, what happened on January 6th was awesome, they who are like pro it, if they really feel that way, they're mad at Tucker right now because they feel like he didn't do enough. But what they're doing is parroting this idea that he gave that because there was because he basically said, I have all this evidence and I'm going to prove this. They're essentially saying it was, it's been proven. But it's this yeah. rare instance where I actually wish they did watch him um, just so that they would be mad at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And of course, as has been well publicized, other Fox News personalities did mm -hmm. not promote Tucker's big scoop, did not cover yeah. it. They leaked the email his producer sent asking everyone to talk up their big exclusive this week. <clears throat> and Fox News acted like this entire broadcast was dipped in a urine sample and wouldn't go near it. Now, to your point, when I see tweets from people saying, oh, it's been proven once and for all, libtards, January 6th, was I, I, bots, Russian trolls, what have you. But when it makes it through to a guy with a phone calling a radio show, I don't believe yep. he listened. I don't believe he watched it either. I believe he just called here to drink his liberal tears. Yeah. You know, but when it gets that far, it shows that the lies work. Oh, totally. They're super effective. I mean, uh, part of the reason I got into this space in the, in, at all and why I didn't go practice law and do other stuff. And I like, why, what drew me to this was that nothing like this is, this is real life. No matter what the issue is, political campaigns, culture debates, policy fights, it doesn't matter. If you care about something, how it is, how the news media deals with it is going to affect the outcome. And there's so much right-wing asymmetry and this right-wing echo chamber that it disproportionately drives policy, shapes our culture, that it's hard to, to separate out what, affects the actual misinformation and lies have on our our day-to-day -day life and our trajectory. So I, I fully believe that. And it also, beyond that, raises the temperature. And 
the last thing I'll say, and this is the part that's the most disturbing, is that we've sort of reached this point where, and this kind of started in the 90s, but we're now we're really seeing the, the downstream effects of it, where the ends justify the means, meaning they don't care if their people lie on purpose because Correct. they've sort of already rationalized that it's all for a, it's all for a purpose. It's kind of like Trump whenever people would push on him and say, yeah, but he's just doing that because it's going to do this other thing. That's, that's why. And that's it. It's this ends justify the means mentality. And that never leads to good places. Yeah. yeah. But to me, it's like Fox News has become an ideological uh, strip club. Um, men, a certain kind of man goes to a strip club and pays women to pretend they're interested in him. A certain man gets a release of dopamine in his brain when uh, a woman lies to him for his own entertainment. And then the man leaves and goes home by himself. Fox News is where people go who do not mind being lied to if the lie makes them happy. There were no yeah. WMDs in Iraq, but we were not greeted as liberators. But you remember for two years, Sean Hannity attacked anyone who, dis who, who didn't believe the Bush-Cheney line. Barack Obama really was born here. Fox News booked every racist lying birther they could book. Donald Trump's lies are so legion he's been banned from running a charity in the state of New York, and he stole from veterans with a fraud online university. They just don't care. Tucker learned this when he tried the Daily Caller to be a serious, legitimate conservative news source and then realized conservatives don't want that. So now it's just another piece of dreck giving Uncle Racist the kind of lies he shows up for. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the part, you know, a lot of times people always go back to like they're doing it for profit. They do it for profit. And it's true. They, 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 there is a part of this that's about making money. And that's the very large part. I'm not dismissing it. But there's yeah. another piece of it which disturbs me more is that in a way, part of me wishes it was just about the profit because I can kind of understand that doesn't justify it, but I can at least get my brain around it. The part that scares me is that it's also about the power, mm -hmm. that they are doing it for power as well. And, and they're using that power because they want some of them want to not all of them are doing it for power. But the ones that are doing it for power really scare me. Murdoch does it for power as much as he does profit because they leave money on the table sometimes, right? They I leave know. money on the table with Tucker Carlson. They do. I know. They, they leave do. money on the table. Well, um, they don't take advertising revenue from Tucker, right? I mean, that's that's not that's where right. it comes from. Yeah. That's right. Even though he's the highest, like his ratings are his ratings are very high. They would be able to commercialize that if, but if you look at Fox's prime time, it's my pillow ads and it's yeah. also Fox Fox. Fox is oh, yeah. Fox News's fourth largest advertiser. And that's yes. because and most of those ads are in prime time. I don't mean promos. I mean, paid ads because they literally don't have enough advertisers to fill the slots without yeah. totally tanking their rates. It's I mean, Rupert bought citizenship and he bought a system where Fox made all their money off cable licensing fees. Boom. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's and so, you know, this is. So when I think about that and it's like that and that they sometimes are willing to leave money on the table for these larger objectives, it's it becomes much more disturbing because it, it's like there's it's like when you spend money to move culture. We've seen that with some big funders, regardless yeah. of their ideology. When you do that, it's a it 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 leads to consequences, even if you're not fully successful. Right. They, they reshape the courts over time with lots of money That's and resources it. like this is it. And they're playing a long game. And. So I, I do think, I think the lies, it's partly why, and I'll just stop on this. One of the very intentional decisions when Media Matters was founded was to describe the organization either as a fact-checking operation or yes. as a misinformation 
sort of focused organization. And there was a very deliberate decision early on that we would not be a fact-checking organization, that what we were focused on, doesn't mean we don't care about facts, but it was like, we're not going to spend every single moment thinking about and trying to correct facts. Because the truth is, misinformation is much broader than that. It's about narratives. It's about the story. And so if all we're doing is very myopically trying to navigate this trench warfare, like individual fact thing, there's a purpose for that. It's, it's important, but it doesn't actually get to what we're trying to resolve, which is this larger trend line about how they use this, this sort of Lego of lies that they keep attaching to each other to build these superstructures that ultimately shape policy and our lives. And that's really what we were trying designed to do. And so I just, yeah, I think it's it sometimes gets lost. People think about, oh, it's just like they, they you know, it's, it's about the individual lies. And it's true, it is. But those lies are always connected, often connected into bigger narratives. And exactly. that's a lot of times what people are responding to. When you could, you could tell someone one fact and they'd be like, okay, fine, I don't care. It's like Jenga. You know, you pull one piece out, the tower doesn't always fall. You know, it's because it's like, that's it. The, a lot of their narrative is built on a lot of lies that are reinforcing each other. And so you can take one down, but if the others are still there it still looks like a block and that's what they care about. And it, it is a, it's a real serious threat. And, you know, uh, some people always say, Oh, how do we fix this? How do we get back to it? It's like, well, we're still bleeding. You know, as long as you still have Fox putting toxic sludge into the ecosystem, you'll never be able to get enough purification for the drinking water, that's you know? True. And it's like, that's just it. And so, yeah, we do have to fix it. We have to deprogram other societies that have gone through similar sort of information driven, um, internal conflict and strife does require a lot of work after it's done. But first you have to stop it. You can't put in a sprinkler system when the house is on fire. You have to use the fire extinguisher first and then figure out how to prevent the next fire. So it's a fight. It really is. Well, in service of those narratives, of course, uh, Fox has continued telling all kinds of lies this year about elections and about January 6th. And um, Media Matters this week put out a really terrific resource guide. Uh, Zachary Pleat wrote this one uh, that I've tweeted on our Twitter account, 50 plus lies and conspiracy theories Fox News has spread about elections and January 6th in 2023. Angelo, it took me a couple of minutes. Cause first, I was like, oh, God, it's an all comprehensive list of all the lies they've told since election 20. No, no, just the last 65 days. Uh, yes. And and it's massive. They just keep on doing it. And and thank you for bringing back the fact that Hannity is as awful as Tucker, saying the FBI and DOJ have been weaponized and are putting their thumbs on the scale for Democrats in every major election since 2016, including 2016. They they say these things. They sound good. They make Uncle Racist happy. There's no consequences. No, no consequences. I mean, they may see some consequences with this Dominion lawsuit, and that's a whole separate thing. But big picture there's there's no consequences yet um amongst the thing that really keeps them in place and that is their relationship with their audience and um that hasn't been shipped away at yet now that may change um and i i'm not optimistic about it and i don't fully know but the thing that is clear is that there is a moment right now where the, you know, the right wing echo chamber has been pretty static for about 25 years. And when Rush Limbaugh passed away, it created, it's like a pinata burst. And so you, for the first time ever, different people could get bigger audiences, new audiences. Like there was 20 million listeners that were now up for grabs. And so there's a big change that was happening. And then Roe v. Wade also got overturned. And that's right. Pre- Roe v. Wade was kind of like a, a horizon for all the different factions of the echo chamber. They all have a different number two issue, but they all agreed that the misogyny fueled control of women's 
women's bodies and overturning Roe v. Wade was number one. Whether you were a Christian that's nationalist it. or a conspiracist, overturning Roe v. Wade was your number one issue. So now that's that that's it. not your number one issue, they all have different ones. Alex Jones's number one issue are like are the interdimensional beings that are shifting and shaping our globalist forces. Tucker's is, you know, is basically people of color and and Jewish people who are perpetuating oh, a you got a replacement. The you know? trans kids <laughs> who want to, trans children who right. want to play sports <laughs> over here, undocumented migrants who just want to do backbreaking labor for less than yeah. minimum wage over here. I mean, where are the Muslim haters? Stand up, folks. Are you still even <laughs> in the building? Yeah, exactly. So they may use this some of the ammunition that's come out of that to attack Tucker, to undermine him and attack other Fox News because Fox News, because there's actually a moment of resorting. It's a big bet. And ultimately, even if there is some slow bleed of their relationship with their audience, in a way, it, it wouldn't be satisfactory because it, it might be a change, but it wouldn't be something that's, I think, more important, which is to your, what you said earlier, which is accountability, like real accountability. I do think this could be a series of cascading consequences for for Fox and for the Murdochs. And there is a real possibility that they will be not able to escape this. And they haven't been well, able I mean, to yet. It, let let yeah. me ask you about that, because if, you, if this article from Media Matters proves one thing, it's that they've just stopped telling lies about Dominion. I yes. mean, that's it, right? They, they're not telling that's lies right. about Dominion voting machines, but it's not like this gazillion dollar lawsuit has put the fear of Jesus in these Fox people. No, it hasn't. And in fact, a lot of the some of the information that's come out in these in discovery in that in this has has confirmed a, a big concern that I've had for a while, which is that Fox doesn't have a choice but to burn brighter and hotter right now because this is their last run in the current system. They have to keep their audience because in the next couple years, they need to convert as many of their cable viewers to Fox Nation subscribers. And Tucker Carlson, Dirty Secret, is the only host, not Hannity, not Ingram, nobody else, not a single one of their other personalities has been able to offer any conversion of viewers to Fox Nation subscribers, only Tucker. And if I if I may, Angelo, uh, as Fox now begins trying to get its audience to begin converting to streaming, can you tell our listeners what is the median age of a Fox News viewer? It is approaching 70 years old now. A few years ago, it was in the low 60s, and that is consistently shifting. And yeah, it is it is quite old. And Tucker's audience skews digitally slightly younger their Fox Nation new signups are slightly younger, but the bulk of Fox's audience doesn't actually convert to Fox Nation because they can't. They don't do that. They don't have streaming. They don't they don't yeah. use the apps. They still don't even really use iPhones or or phones with text messages on them. Like, yeah, it's it is a big business problem for them. And that's partly why they're so fixated on this round of cable negotiations, because like it's their last big dip in, last in that existing revenue stream to get a chunk of it. But they have no choice but to burn brighter and hotter because they need to do their very best to keep their audience and to move them. And that's why when Tucker Carlson, before Tucker Carlson got access to this 40,000 hours of like video footage about January 6th, he actually did a January 6th documentary. And the yeah. part that's insane is that the one that he did without the evidence was actually worse than the one that he did with it. And it was called Patriot Purge, but he couldn't get it on Fox News. If you wanted to watch all of Tucker's that's lies right. about January 6th, you had to sign up and people did. 
people signed up for that. They wanted to watch Tucker Carlson say that it was a conspiracy put on by the FBI, Nancy Pelosi, and some members of the news media in order to crack down on Trump supporters. Like they wanted to watch that two-part documentary. And then like a lot of porn subscriptions, they forget that they sign up. That's honestly their strategy. And that's the part that I find so funny is like, they have adopted a strategy of maybe you'll forget you signed up. It works for Trump fundraiser. You know, normally it you does. want to donate more. You got to check a box for Trump. You got to uncheck a box or you'll you keep on uncheck. donating without knowing it. I know. <laughs> yeah. They will they, never they, stop fleecing. It. These old white people are just signing up to get fleeced. I swear to God. Angelo, it is always a great honor and pleasure to have you on our show. Really quick. We Thank only have you. 30 seconds. No one's going to get fired, right, for this. No one. When this is all said and done, I don't know if Dominion's going to win the lawsuit. But I don't see anyone getting fired because I don't see Rupert losing that much money over this. No person's going to get fired. But if if anybody does get fired, the person that will get fired is Rupert and Lackland because um, they don't have control of the company. They don't have Prince Alawit as their number two shareholder anymore to give them 50 percent plus one. If they end up getting a really serious set, you know, like a really serious injury against them or if the board members really see some real concerns and i just don't think we're there yet although there are some shareholders beginning the process of a lawsuit but to your point they're not going to fire anybody at fox news and so if there is a firing the only ones that would get fired are rupert and lackland so that's how high the bar is right now in terms of you heard it here first folks angelo carasone it's always a pleasure and a blessing to have you on what's the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and keep up with all your work sir I'm on Twitter at GoAngelo, and you can come to MediaMatters.org. And the new piece is 50 Plus Lies and Conspiracy Theories. Fox has spread about elections on January 6th in 2023. Angelo, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Right now, I'm so thrilled to welcome this next guest. Uh, This is one of my favorite topics to talk about in terms of health, mental health, wellness. You know, we can talk about the apps that track your sleep and the pharmaceutical drugs and the sleep aids and the white noise machines. Big business out there helping people get to sleep. The global sleeping aids market, which is a thing, is expected to reach $118 billion by the end of this decade. And 10 to 30 percent of adults suffer from insomnia, which is a very, very broad umbrella term that covers a whole lot of different situations around human condition and living. But right now is National Sleep Awareness Month. Did you know that? Well, if not, get get woke. 
to Sleep Awareness, and I'm so thrilled to welcome our next guest to the show. Dr. Pedram Navab is a board-certified neurologist with 17 years of experience as a sleep medicine specialist. Former fellow of the Stanford's Sleep Disorder Center, he's now a sleep medicine consultant at the Hogue Voltmer Sleep Center in Newport Beach, California, and at the clinic in Beverly Hills. He completed a neurology residency at the University of Arizona and is currently an integrative medicine fellow at the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine there. He is the author of The Essential New book, Sleep Reimagined, The Fast Track to a Revitalized Life, which offers millions of people who have chronic trouble with sleep, an innovative and drug-free pathway to help you have a consistently restful sleep at night and a better quality of waking life in just about four weeks. There's so much great science and great wellness tips in this book. It's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Navab to SiriusXM. Hello, sir. Hi, John. Thanks so much for that nice introduction. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. You know, I actually, I care a lot about the topic. Uh, I guess anybody who has to work in broadcasting <laughs> late at night cares about this topic. But also, it's sure. just such a, an essential issue that is never addressed when we talk about mental health in this culture. I have many questions about your excellent book. But before I do, I've been dying to ask, sure. what is what is the, the, the series of events that leads you to make sleep your field of expertise in medicine. I'm really curious how this became your passion. Yeah, I mean, as a neurologist, we deal with so many esoteric topics of the brain, um, you know, spinal cord, uh, epilepsy, and so forth. And I, and I think sleep kind of intersects with all of those. So, for example, someone who has epilepsy and doesn't get enough sleep can have recurrent seizure attacks. So sleep is so integral to a lot of the diagnoses like migraine, for example. Someone who doesn't sleep at all will have worsened headaches. So sleep kind of infiltrates through everything, like multiple sclerosis, a lot of neurological diagnoses. But what got me really interested in sleep was when I was um, an undergrad, I did a year abroad in Japan, in Yokohama, Japan. And during that period of time, I had a roommate who was uh, a sleepwalker. So I would observe him every single night, and it was just the weirdest phenomenon. And we were in a small Japanese village with all sorts of crazy shrines. And there I ended up getting my first episode of a hypnagogic hallucination, as well as sleep paralysis. And I didn't really know much about it because I was not in medical school. So I ascribed it to all sorts of spirits <laughs> that were going on in Japan. We we're near a shrine. We were in, in Ariyama. So it was just kind of crazy. And then later when I went to med school, I kind of figured everything out. And sleep kind of made sense in a way, but it still kind of intrigued me. During residency, all residents are sleep deprived. Uh they make a lot of mistakes. And so that also fascinated me from the from a public um, health standpoint. Fascinating. Okay, well, you, you certainly bring the passion to it. And my compliments on how comprehensive this book is, you have developed a cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia program, which um, I, I find really intuitive and fascinating. A- am I right in saying that insomnia is a, a very broad term? One of those terms like depression that is thrown around and and frequently covers a lot of different ailments and and troubles? Yeah, you're correct, John, because insomnia, a lot of people think that they have insomnia 
what's going on though a lot of people have insufficient sleep um people do have insomnia like we correctly pointed out 10 to 30 percent of the population but a lot of people who use the term actually have insufficient sleep so they don't give themselves enough opportunity to sleep because if they do they may be able to sleep the distinction between that and an insomnia is an insomnia they have plenty of time to sleep but they can't sleep most people mm -hmm. in the u.s don't have a lot of time to sleep as a result yeah. they sleep and they feel tired because they're not sleeping a lot so yeah. that's probably a lot more prevalent than insomnia but yeah insomnia you have plenty of opportunity you can't go to sleep or stay asleep you wake up feeling unrefreshed um, and that's really the definition of insomnia but in the book it talks about it there's so many masquerades sort of insomnia that you may not have true insomnia there is right. you know advanced sleep phase delayed sleep phase restless legs sleep apnea all kind of masquerading as sleep apnea so when patients come into my clinic we have to kind of parcel that out um i glad you mentioned that and the actual cognitive behavioral therapy program you have is is very very detailed and and it really is a program i mean it helps people to understand their sleep to restrict the stimuli, to open the mind to cognitive restructuring. I mean, a lot of the real basics to help people understand this thing our bodies need. I'm kind of fascinated by some of the tips you tell us not to do and some of the misconceptions mm -hmm. about sleep. I have to confess, sir, that I was deeply <laughs> shamed by uh, my own behavior over the decades here. Because I'm yeah. someone who's always had a really, really, I, I, I crave it uh, when then I have a hard yeah. time actually sleeping and then I feel tired all day. And one of the biggest myths sure. you have in the book is that you can make up for lost sleep on the weekends. It's very painful, but people need to know sleep doesn't work that way, does it? Math doesn't matter to sleep. No, it does not because it's the assault on the body that particular night that you sleep so if you're not getting refreshed sleep that particular night everything is going wrong you know your heart is not working as optimally metabolism goes awry uh, so you are feeling the consequences of it on that day and you can't like go back to it and fix that uh, you may feel better on the weekends when you get enough sleep but that doesn't necessarily mean the damage hasn't been done because right. it's kind of on a nightly basis and you keep doing this and sleep apnea really needs to be ruled out for a lot of people uh before it was hypothes hypothesized that only like three percent of uh you know six percent of men have it three percent of women now we know that's a lot more because there's other things besides sleep apnea like upper airway resistance syndrome other sleep disordered breathing that that are also um, complicating the quality of sleep, not to that's mention it. the quantity. So well, that's it, right? A, it's quality and quantity. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah quality and quantity. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, all of these things have to be investigated. And I think it's a great idea to go see a sleep specialist because sleep can affect everything, you know, um, health, men mental health, um, any sort of diagnoses that you have. We know that you have a higher risk of infections and cancer if you don't sleep well. But on the other hand, you don't want to make sleep everything. You know, you don't want to focus on sleep so much that you're anxious about it. Right. So that's why with these trackers that you mentioned that 
um, calculate how much sleep you're getting. That's great because you can see on the days that you're sleeping well how you feel. So it's kind of like a biofeedback tool. But if you focus solely on it, it can actually be detrimental. So I think Mm -hmm. it's good to use sparsely but not like be fixated on it like some of my patients are. You know, I think we can agree that quality sleep means you're sleeping through the night with with no arousals and it's addressing any health issues that that hurt your sleep, but quantity is is kind of where we kid ourselves, isn't it? I mean, we so many of us believe that our body can get acclimated to less sleep and still function just fine or as long as I get the right number of hours every night, it doesn't matter what time. I can go to a different hour of sleep every night as long as it's roughly the same time. I mean, or, or even thinking if I get more than 9 hours, then I'll I'll be in really good shape tomorrow. We yeah. just l- lie to ourselves about time, don't we? Sure. Yeah. So the National Sleep Foundation and American Academy of Sleep Medicine recently came out with a statement that seven hours of sleep is optimal. Before it was kind of seven, eight hours of sleep. Now seven is optimal. Anything over eight is considered actually not great either. Six and a half has been purported to be the sweet spot of sleep for some of the research that's been done. But I think if you're getting seven, it's pretty optimal. Some may need more. Less is a little bit questionable. There are short sleepers, but there are so few and far between um, that need that short sleep. Um, I know Trump had once said that, you know, he doesn't need a lot of sleep. But, I mean, that's such a small segment of the population. It's a genetic trait. So it's few and far between. And these people have, you know, some frontal lobe, people who don't get enough sleep uh, and, and think they're short sleepers, but they're not. Um, right. It affects the prefrontal cortex where you make mistakes and your judgment is off. So you have to kind of be wary of it that that's a very small segment of the population. Most people do need seven hours of sleep. And you are correct, John. It depends on timing. It's best to get your sleep, to go to bed earlier, like 10 or 11 and get up earlier because mm, you need the okay. sun. The sun is <laughs> yes. super important because it, re- it resets your circadian rhythm. So it's much better to sleep like from 10 to 6 as opposed to like 12 to 8, like but even if you to 8. But even if you are in a position, I don't know, maybe you're at a wacky radio show where you have to work 12 to 8, <laughs> the, the important sure. thing would be, would be, sleeping at the same consistent hours every night, right? Yeah. So if you're, you know, obviously there are people that have shift work and so forth. So there's not a lot that can be done. I mean, there is a lot that can be done, but in terms of getting that sun, you are correct. You need to adhere to a strict schedule and wake up at the same time each morning. You yeah. don't have a lot of saying when you go to sleep. Some days you can go to sleep quickly. Some days you don't. But if you do get up, get up at the same time each morning because it bolsters your wake-up time and if you've got any homeostatic drive to sleep and homeostatic drive basically means the amount of sleep that you have to dissipate Uh, because the more we don't sleep the more the urge to sleep so if you haven't slept for a while your homeostatic drive is really high and you will naturally fall asleep and so waking up at the same time each morning, even if you're tired, will create that drive. And get the, the sunlight, get, get, 
yes. and but but get yourself exposed to sunlight within an hour or 30 minutes of waking up what do you recommend because that's quite crucial yeah 30 minutes is fine but again it's it's and it's explained in the book you can't get the sunlight too early because if you get the sunlight too early you may actually uh it delay your sleep so you may be going to bed later it's very crucial that you get it at a certain time so i wouldn't necessarily say 30 minutes after waking up because it depends on if you're a night owl or if you're a morning lark it's very scientific in terms of when you get light and again i wouldn't make a general statement of like an hour when you get 30 minutes because it really depends on when you naturally wake up so that's all in the book in terms of it's equation. There's a lot of equations in there mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of makes sense if you look at it. But um, it's different for for everyone, really, yeah. when they should get up. I, I'd love to ask you about biphasic sleep because I was trying to explain it to my producers yeah. earlier in the day. And I'm, I'm trying to explain it to my friends and they all think I'm crazy. But we really have only recently begun to learn through historians and, and uh, archaeologists and, and sociologists and, and um, scientists that this whole notion of trying to get eight hours straight through is historically a very recent concept for Homo sapiens. Yeah, and I think the Industrial Revolution with the light, the artificial light, um, really changed things along. Because before people were sleeping and they were getting up in the middle of the night, journaling, doing whatever, conversing, and then you know two to three hours and then they would go back to sleep again and wake up and for the most part um i don't know if there's really any accounts of how they felt but they functioned and some people believe that insomnia is really a remnant of that that Mm -hmm. remnant that never went away they're waking up in the middle of the night especially if people who are older they have more of a tendency to have difficulty staying asleep and not necessarily going to sleep. And I think it's a remnant of that period, which is kind of an interesting hypothesis. Um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that as long as you feel refreshed and wake up in the morning, get some sun. I think that's really the most important thing. Um, If you wake up and feel good, even if you've gotten like seven hours or six and a half, seven hours of sleep, I think you're doing good. If you need an alarm clock to wake up and have to push the snooze button, then there's something wrong. You either need Mm. to extend your sleep time or you need to figure out if there's a sleep quality issue if you're sleeping eight hours and still feeling tired, like sleep apnea, idiopathic hypersomnia, other things, because people should feel good with seven or eight hours of sleep. It goes without saying, leave your phones and electronic devices outside of your bedroom if you really want to get good sleep. Oh, definitely. That's the number one thing that I see. And that's, you know, that's sleep hygiene that everybody's been taught. But it's so crucial. That light, the LED, LED light, the blue light really affects everything. Even a bit of it will block melatonin. And you need melatonin to induce sleep. So it blocks melatonin by like 30%, even that little light. Wow. And plus what it does also, it, it 
to go to sleep, you need to get your mind away from the realities of the world. And it's not great right now. <laughs> and the phone just tethers you to that reality, right? I, I mean, you're looking, it's the social media, the news. So if you take, and I've taken all the electronics out, not to mention the harmful um, effects of just cell phones in general. Right. Take everything out. It may be very difficult at first because you'll have some sort of withdrawal effect. But if you take it out, you will realize how serene everything is. What I do is I get a physical novel and I start That's reading right. without – and studies have shown, they've done studies where people do best when they pick up a physical book and a novel in particular, not a nonfiction like my book. Although my book's, uh, you know, it's, it's inducing sleep-inducing anyway. But a, a fiction because it takes you away to a different place and you have no connection to it. It right. takes you out of your own reality. So if you're going to have anything in there, have a novel, no electronics, analog clock. Um, analog clock. Put backwards, yeah. Mm-hmm. Put backwards so you can't see it, but it, if it goes up, you can get That's up. That's something I, I had never seen that before your book, sir, that, that if you have a clock in your room, you're going to wake up, you're going to look at it, and to some degree, it will stress you out. Oh, for sure, because there's never been a time when you wake up and it's what you want it to be. It's always like later, right? So it's it's anxiety producing. Why even look at it when you know that that's, that's what it's going to be? Like, don't look at it. Just get <laughs> up. It's hard at first, but there's no reason to do it. Um, not at all. I think there was an alarm clock, too, where someone describes it, where, you, where it basically um, shreds your money. Like if you don't wake <laughs> up to like, snoo- you know, to turn it off, like which with each snooze, it like it keeps like shredding it, which is a great way of like getting up and saying, you know, I need to fix my sleep. I mean, it's going, uh, it, it's a little problematic, but, uh, but that's basically saying, yeah, don't, don't look at the alarm clock, put the alarm on and hopefully you won't need an alarm anymore. After reading That's right. the book, you've, you know, and it's so ears. valuable. It's it's terrific. One last yeah. question: um, alcohol sure. and uh, alcohol and cannabis. I mean, you know, what should people know about how that affects the quality of sleep? Alcohol is not a good choice. Um, there's a recent statement that really even, you know, one glass of alcohol is not good. I mean. I used to drink alcohol, but I'm trying to abstain from it because, you know, it's part of the Mediterranean diet and wine is supposedly good for you. But this recent study came out saying that even like um, a glass of alcohol is not great for sleep. It's not great at all. It's got a short half life. You drink it, you fall asleep very quickly. But when the half life runs out, you wake up in the middle of the night and also you're dehydrated. So you have to go urinate so it affects things and you get increased REM sleep REM sleep is completely out of whack with alcohol so if you must drink don't drink two drinks drink one if you must but try to really abstain from it um cannabis is a different story i know it it relaxes people i don't swear by it much yeah, yeah. there hasn't been much research on it, but some patients get relaxed and they sleep well, and that's what's important. I mean, if they're using it and they're feeling good, um, that's what matters. Alcohol is much more problematic. 
So I would say, you know, if you're going to choose one, um, <laughs> cannabis is probably a better option. Although hopefully you won't need any of this after a cognitive yes. year. And you won't. Uh, you plan. won't. Uh, and once again, the book is called Sleep Reimagined. The Fast Track to a Revitalized Life. Dr. Nabob, I could talk about this book for hours with you. I am so into the subject, and yet I learned so much from your work. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your doings? So I do have an Instagram account right now. It's private, but, you know, if <laughs> requests are sent, I'll, I'll ju judge it and, you know. No whatnot. worries. That's probably the only thing that I have right now. But, yeah. Well, have, I mean, there's the also part, the book, and, yeah. and the book is what matters. And the book. Uh, and the book, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Dr. Pedram Navab, it's N-A-V-A-B. The book, again, is Sleep, Reimagine, The Fast Track to a Revitalized Life. I recommend it so highly. Doctor, thanks for staying up late with us. I really appreciate your time this evening. All right. Thanks so much, John. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Take care and be well. We're taking a very quick break. We will be right back and get to your calls. Our number is 866-997-4748. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is progress. Let's get to the phones. You guys have been waiting on hold for a very long time. Beachside Bill, hello and welcome. Hey, John. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. thanks for taking my call and 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 happy belated birthday to Chris and thanks to Thea. Yes, and happy th uh, three year anniversary to Thea. They've all got special stuff. Yes, and it was thirty five years ago today that we lost Andy Gibb, the first of really? the BB brothers. Thirty five. Yes, I'm reading wow. it right now. Thirty five. I'll never years forget ago today, that. I'll never forget and, that because I, I was a kid. I was going to church, and Martin Sheen was in front of me in mass, and he actually out loud said a prayer for Andy Gibb, and I'm like, "Wow, wow!" That's how I'll, I'll never forget that it was in this at this time when when we lost him. He was so young, Andy Gibb. It's very sad. Yeah, very sad. And there's only one left now, and that's Barry. And, and that's I, right. He just did an interview a while back. I want to I want to talk about uh, it was a great interview with the doc you had there and I want to add on to it this fucking time change that's coming up tomorrow night. 
Yeah, and, tell me. You know, I, I don't usually agree. I don't usually agree with my my two useless senators, Rubio and Scott. I have no use for them whatsoever, <laughs> whatsoever fucking ever. But they are for this time change. They are for permanently. They want permanent daylight savings time. You know, yeah. I travel to Hawaii a lot, John, and they have never changed their fucking time. And, and, and no, Arizona doesn't do it either. By the way, Arizona doesn't play that shit. Yeah. A piece of Indianapolis or Indiana somewhere in, in Indiana, but they don't do it either. And it's about fucking time we, we, you know, because think back 200 years, it was the slave owners who wanted the extra day, the extra hours in the day to work, make the slaves work more. You understand? I mean, but it's also and, just like, you know, we're, we're, okay, it's nice to be reminded every year that we were once an agrarian economy where 19th century farmers didn't have alarm clock technology. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for farmers, but today's farmers have alarm clocks. It's nice to have an extra hour in the morning, but we're all sort of kidding ourselves on that. Some of us would like to have a little bit of sun when we get out of work at the end of the day. Yeah. And you know who tinkered with it was Bush Jr. You were talking about Bush Jr. earlier. And Bush Jr. Uh, tinkered with it in August of 2005. He mm-hmm. extended uh, daylight savings time from uh, six months on, six months off to seven and five. And, and it added a month to us because uh, I hated it in fucking work. When I, I don't work anymore and I shouldn't complain about it now. I can adjust to it. But still, I have a routine now. But even when I was I was bitching about it because I, I worked outside here in Florida and it was just a bitch to get used to, you know. It was just, and I can imagine how is it with comics? You're a comic. How does it fuck with your time schedule or will it? You know, how does it? Does it? Does it? You know, what, what do, do you, you mean? What do you mean? How does it work? I mean, crazy. I mean, does it? I mean, I mean uh, um, the extra hour, do you get more? I, I, I don't know. Where am I you going know, I, listen, I, I had a, I, comic. I, I, I broke down you know? and had a child at an absurdly late age in life. So I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> that's that's it doesn't make a difference to me. If I, <laughs> well, you know, I go on the road somewhere and I'm at a place now where I am so decrepit in my rest that I can sit on the plane and be snoring asleep before we pull away from the jet bridge. I could fall asleep any time of day. Whenever I have to, yeah, I yeah. catch sleep. I mean, I'm 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 really getting a black belt in naps, and that's how I'm toddling into uh, my decrepitude. But I've come to appreciate sleep more than ever. It might be my favorite drug right now, but I can't really claim between all the traveling I do, all the stand-up I do, working on a radio show until midnight, and having a little kid, I will freely admit <laughs> that I have never abused my sleep privileges more. Well, I've always had trouble off and on, I guess. Now, like I say, I can take naps and stuff. So it's nice to retire. Plan for it, believe me. I never planned for it, but it it fell on my lap 12 years ago. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. Chris, go ahead. I was was thinking of Bill the other week. Uh, um, There was a, a SpaceX rocket launch from Cape Canaveral sending a crew to the International Space Station. And uh, last week, after our show, I ran outside and watched it fly by. You did, really? (laughs) Yeah. No kidding, Chris. You can see it on the... I put it up on TikTok. You can go to Bill Lundell, number one. I put it up on TikTok. I just put up the other one yesterday. One today. I mean, I I couldn't see the liftoff. But I could, I, I spotted and I watched the the rocket fly That's because great. the SpaceX rockets have a very Good. unique propulsion system where it creates like a, like yeah. a dripping glow. And so I watched it across yeah. the sky. And then I also saw the booster rocket retro burning and coming back down to the, the platform. Yeah. 
and that was that was crew number six that I got the other night. Although, crew number five it, is coming back tomorrow. Yeah, it was some really good weed though. So I could could have been listening. <laughs> when my parents <laughs> retired to my parents retired to Florida, and we used to be able to see the shuttle launches from my mom and dad's front lawn. Yeah, we'd run out all the time. We'd hear it, and then we'd run out to the front yard to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you, I've got videos of them. I've got to really dig them out. They're all on DVD now, all the old shuttle ones. You know, I have to go back to DVDs. But, yeah, I have the shuttle launches, not all of them, but Challenger? some of them, really. I do not have the Challenger, no. There was no – I have it in my memory. I, saw, I witnessed the Challenger, yes. That was a very painful moment in my life, but, yes. You witnessed it you with know, your that, own eyes? You, you I, saw I, it? I, I witnessed the Challenger. We didn't have cell phones then. I witnessed the Challenger. And, and, and the quick thing about it is, and it, it, it's all on the video, but I, I've been having nightmares about the explosion. I, I remember hearing it, John. It was, very, it was very cold that day. And when something explodes that big, I think about it now, and it really does haunt me, the whole thing that I, you know, I denied, you know, seven people died. It's, it's a long story, but I've no, dealt with terrible. it since. But it, it's it, very it, fresh it's for one me. Of those things. It's very fresh for me. I still remember the names of all the astronauts. I, I'm, I'm totally yeah. with you. I was just a kid when it happened, but I was very into the space yeah. program, and uh, it hit me pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, and Columbia as well, here. by the way. It's, it's a shame that Challenger yep. was such a shock that when the same exact thing happened with Columbia a few years later, you know, the, the world kind of shrugged their shoulders. Yeah, that happened under George Bush, and that really, that kind of, I, I was blaming George Bush for the war and everything then, and it happened then. I that remember was the, standing you know, that was, just screaming. Really, you the know, end of the space shuttle fault. program. Yeah, yes, but that that was, really was the was. end. The end of the space shuttle program. That was it. When Columbia oh, went, Obama, was... Obama finished it. Yeah, and then they had, they had to build the International Space Station with it. Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. what you're right. Bill, thank you so much for calling. Well, I appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Nice talking thank to you. you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Thank you. Hey, can I tell you my vegan of the week? I love this story. I found this in the Daily Beast, Chris. A guy in, in uh, Maine. His name is Peter Starostecki. Peter Starostecki. He's vegan. And uh, homeboy loves tofu. Do you like tofu, Chris? Is tofu a big thing down there in South Carolina? I, Do you? I had it for dinner two nights ago. Right on. Me too. This guy loves tofu so much. This is a true story that he went to get a custom license plate declaring his love for tofu. You know these vegans, Chris. They want you to know about it. They talk about it now and then. So his vanity license plate he paid extra for was love tofu. L-U-V-T-O-F-U. Do you know where this is going? Turns out Maine recalled his vanity license plate because officials decided to crack down the rules that on license plates that could be considered vulgar. Um, and if you look at it, it just says L-U-V, love, T-O, two, F-U. Love to F-U. So uh, Mr. Starostecki said he was very disappointed. He told the AP after having his case thrown out, he had a Zoom session with the main Bureau of Motor Vehicles. The only thing more depressing than having a meeting with the Department of Motor Vehicles is having a Zoom session with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, the Secretary of State said she backs freedom of expression, but motorists should use bumper stickers, not state-issued license plates. So love to F you. <laughs> My favorite Prince song, by the way. It's a great Prince song. Deeply underrated. I love, love to this. F yeah, so good. Love to F love T O F U. It's like he says, love tofu. There's nothing untoward about that. Oh well. Bill in New Jersey, welcome. You're on progress. Hey, how you doing? How are you? You know, uh, soybeans have a lot of estrogen in them. That's true. So, yeah, and so does beer, which is why guys get these uh, breasts 
uh, has a lot of estrogen in it. But, uh, you know, okay. anyway. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I thought I thought it just you just put on weight. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always heard that. Yeah. Well, what do you think of this name for, for Trump? Uh, Raging Bullshit. It's not bad. Not bad? It's not. I mean, um, I, I collect. I, I collect quality nicknames for Donald Trump, as you might know. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a whole list of my favorites because uh, it's an uh-huh. issue that's very important to me in my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm partial to comb over Caligula. You know. Uh, <laughs> that's a good that's one. just me. That's really yeah. a good one. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've know, got quite a bit. I, I dream of having one that will fit in your collection, and I oh. think real hard about it. Well, Did listen. I like. Ever- by the way, just you know, my taste. I like. I like a corrosive meat goblin for Donald Trump. Um, uh, infected yak polyp. I think works well. Putin's petulant prison punk works well for me. Uh, I call him a grift weasel. I call him a mendacious orc stool. I call him a there truculent pus cluster. My wow. favorite. No one likes it, but my favorite is Silvio Berlusconi ovary. I'm proud of that one. Wow. Um, yeah, Darth Jabba is fine. Kim Jong Oops, uh, the Bulgarian authoritarian orangutan barbarian. I've got a, this is my whole act is all this um, old old fat King Joffrey Baratheon with untreated syphilis. That's a little little wordy, but it's good. I I think you could do a whole act of that, and people yes. would stand up and applaud. They'd they'd be standing up as they left the venue, but yes. Money laundering scrotal cloth. That's a good one. Uh, maladapted scat ghoul. I like that one. I've I've got a whole list of these things. Yeah. I may have admitted this before, and I hope uh, DeSantis isn't listening, but my grandfather's bra is in the uh, Boston Museum of Fine Arts. Uh, Your grandfather's what? Your grandfather's what, sir? Your grandfather's bra? bra? His bra, yeah. Uh, No, in the 1920s, he manufactured bras or brassieres at that time. And he actually did it for Hollywood actresses. And uh, uh, we still have the sample that, you know, they would measure them. And in New York, he would uh, have the model of what he had made. And, uh, re- you know, so we have the one for Clara Bow. And then there's another one that's in the. He was I just very good at it and good design. You know, in the 1920s. This is true. When he, it wasn't a big deal, though. It was just a big piece of cloth. There wasn't any support. You know, they're they're not wireless like they are now. Is, is, is this true? Like, uh, Wi-Fi? They have these wireless bras now? Cross your heart? Wi-Fi. What? I don't really understand how I'm being trolled with this call. Well, you know, oh, I mean, but your your but your grandfather, you know, the company was very successful uh, for a while, but eventually it went tits up. Oh, stop now. These are good pe- These are nice people. These are nice people here. Look, it was run by a boom. Anyway, their motto was, uh, where nature's forgotten, we stuck with cotton. You know why your grandfather had to wear a bra, Bill? All that beer and tofu. That's exactly why. See, that's a callback. I learned that term in comedy traffic school. I got to go. Thank you so very much. Mitch and Ken State. Hello and welcome, sir. Thank you, John. First of all, two shout outs, if I may. Uh, Dave in Connecticut. That guy is just so What a cool. guy. Dave in Connecticut can really throw down a rhyme. That guy's a good rapper. It's, it's like a beatnik. It's almost like a beatnik. Yes. Uh, you know, like Dobie Gillis. I mean, just... Uh, just He's from... more of a beatbox than a beatnik, but yes, I appreciate his skills. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch doesn't know what beatboxing is. He's like... Mitch knows what beatbox. <laughs> Mitch knows what beatbox... Mitch, come on. Tell me you know what beatboxing is. Beep... No. Beatbop? Like okay, no, no, bebopping is another thing altogether, and my my dad didn't know what that was, so it's all okay. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, by the way, I want, I want also to, to Chris, I just want to make sure he got his, uh, his uh, birthday swag. 
I did, Mitch. Thank you very much. We're in good health. I appreciate it, Keith. We're in good oh, health. did did you get Ken State merch perchance? I it, certainly yeah. did. My father Lucky was bastard. very impressed. You know what? I I love wearing my Kent State clothes that Mitch sends me. Whenever when I put on my Kent State clothes, <laughs> it's always going to be a riot. That's what I say. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> All right. But, uh, anyway, just work in good health. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're lovely, Mitch. You're a lovely man. That's right. It, it, I appreciate you guys, and uh, more than you'll ever know. Uh, John uh, Connie Schultz, by the way, speaking of Kent State, teaches a journalism class here at Kent State. You know, the wife of Sarah Brown. Okay. Anyway. Uh, she has a journaling class, and they have this project called the News Literacy Project. It's a nonprofit organization. Yes, yes, I've heard and, of it. Yeah, and it's it, if anybody can pull this up, it's free. It's absolutely free. It just you know, as far as ideas about better understanding the news and uh, I know deciphering you know the fake shit from the real stuff. And, and Mitch, we got we got to hit a break, but you know the irony: the people that need this the most are the ones who are never even going to hear about it. We got to go, but I thank you, Mitch. I wish you a great weekend. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugel saying peace.